Hello everyone, you are listening to Black Adoptees Identities. I am your host, Christelle Pellicure, and I am a coach and a multidisciplinary creative. Please join me to explore what identity means for adult adoptees and how they form their identity for their own adoption journey. In this podcast, you will hear a variety of views from adult adoptees about their own experience of adoption and how adoption has impacted them and what lessons they have learned along the way. Please note that the guests have been courageous in sharing their stories and some of the content and subject matters can be emotionally challenging and distressing for some individuals. Please note this episode contains sensitive matters further detail in the show notes. Please use your own judgment whether to continue to listen or not and do look after yourself. And if you are affected by some of the issues discussed, please seek appropriate support and help. In this episode, I am in conversation with Jules, a French adoptee originally from Mali. In our conversation, we discuss how adoption impacts our mental health and relationships. We talk about the impact of birthdays and the lack of information on medical history. And we also talk about how to navigate racism and name changes. Welcome to Black Adoptees Identities. I am Christelle Pellicure, your host. I am very excited to welcome with us today Jules, a French fellow adoptee. Jules grew up in France and have been living in London for five years. As a transracial and transnational adoptee, she is deeply interested in how our sense of self relate to being adopted. Growing up in the French countryside, Her experience as an adoptee was intertwined with her experience as being one of the few black children in her town. As she grew older, traveled, and started organizing, she came to politicize her experience of adoption as well as other parts of her identity. There is a need for adoptee-led initiatives that aim at censoring adoptee voices, and she believes adoptee stories and experience are essential in understanding adoption as a system. Jules, welcome. Thank you. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. So I've just read a little bit about yourself. But to start, I would love if you could share with us a little bit more about your adoption story. So where were you adopted from uh, before you were in France? And uh, how was um, that experience? Um, Okay. So first of all, thanks for having me uh yeah um <laughs> this is my first ever podcast so yeah um, oh, I'm, I'm lucky <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah to tell me to tell you a bit more about myself i so i was born in mali um in 1997 and i stayed there for about like a bit longer than a year and then i was adopted um by french parents um so as you read in the in the bio, like I grew up in the French countryside, um, in the yeah in a small town. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially now living in London, that's what people would call a small town. Um, sometimes even a village. It is not a village. Um, 
but yeah and uh so i arrived like i have two older siblings who are also adopted also from mali Right. So I arrived in a family where there were already um, adopted people um, who were older than me. And like, I mean, it would be a lie to say that I was like the only the only black kid in like in my in my town. I wasn't. I wasn't the only racialized kid. Um, but there weren't that many of us, to be completely honest. So having like having siblings who were adopted and who were black like was definitely was definitely something for me so yeah so that's why i've spent like most of my life um and then then i traveled i did a year abroad and then i i ended up like in london um and i'm 25 and i feel like my kind of like journey to like thinking about adoption has Oh, it's been like it's. I've I've been through phases, um, but maybe we'll touch more on that later, probably. But I feel like I really like started thinking about it and like politicizing it. Like it's quite recent. Like maybe I don't know a few years ago, um, and that came with actually meeting other adoptees, like being interested in in things related to adoption and everything. And that's also what led me to want to travel to my country of birth, to Mali, for the first time. And I did that um, a year ago, about a year ago. Yeah. So you you met your birth family then a year ago when you went back? No, I did not. Right. Um, so, yeah. So because basically when I was adopted, um, <clears throat> so I was adopted in Mali. I was in an orphanage um, and then the orphanage closed. And so one of the nurses working there uh, took me in. Um, so I lived with her and her daughters for so for like a bit longer than a year. Um, so I like I've I've kept in touch with her growing up, and so I went to visit her. Um, so I did go to visit my family, not my birth family. Yeah. I mean, I can relate with your story of um, growing up in in France and. Countryside, because yes. <laughs> my my story is is the same. Uh, I got adopted in South of France in the countryside. I was in a village, mm. um, but I I had another sister who was adopted, but she arrived after me. But mm. you've already had uh, siblings there, so how was that in terms of representation? How was that helped with your sense of identity to already have black siblings in the family? Did that help you? Um, I think like now in hindsight, I'm like, yes, it did help in some aspects. Um, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was also like hard in others because it was basically I have, so I have an older brother and an older sister. Um, and I mean, like we all, we all approach adoption in a very different way. So we also had to navigate that. So like, and I have like four years difference with my sister and like six years with my brother. So basically when I was like, when he was in, in his teenage years, I was still very, very young. Mm -hmm. And so like in, in these years for him, like a lot was happening around adoption, but me, I wasn't necessarily like realizing it. Um, and, and I know that like, he, he always like wanted to talk about it, like to, you know, he had, he had things to share about it. He wanted to, yeah, for us to, to bond over it. And, and I remember my sister, she was um, quite different. She didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about it. Um, yeah, she seemed like almost indifferent to it. Um, I mean, that's how I see. I saw it at the time. 
now I understand that it's very different. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, it was this dynamic of like, okay, one of, one of my siblings really wants to talk about it. The other one doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so in a way I can say that, yes, it helped to have other adoptees in the family, but also when this is not really talked about, like, you know, does it really help? Um, and, and yeah, and like me in all this, like, so I was, I am the youngest. Um, I feel like, as I said, I was going through phases. So I feel like when I was really young, I was like, I really wanted to talk about it all the time. I was constantly asking my parents, like, when are we going to Mali? Like, you know, when are we going? And at some point, like, so I remember my parents actually went um, when I was quite young. Um, they went without my siblings and I. Um, and because they hadn't, because like, I think now in, in, in most countries, when you adopt, um, when you adopt um, a person from another country, you kind of have to go and visit the country. But at the time my parents didn't have to, so they adopted us without having ever been um, to Mali. And so, yeah, so, so, so they wanted to go. So I remember when we were young, they went. And I remember for me, like it's kind of when like something broke and I was like, okay, so you're going without us. I was like, so I've been asking for years and you're going without mm -hmm. us. So I was like, okay then, let me never speak about this again. And I feel like from that moment, I entered kind of like my rejection of anything that had to do with, I mean, with adoption, but also with, with being black, with like, you know, all of that. I had like, yeah, a very strong period of like, no, that's not me. Mm, yeah, I can imagine that must have been difficult for you to, to process if you, wanted to go for all this time and then yeah. you left by yourself how was that your adoption in a way influenced your identity as um, you you are today uh, and how do you manage going through the different ups and downs of our feelings emotions that you've been feeling at times how did you manage to um yeah to become to find yourself to be Jules today um i feel like there's a like you know what like i always okay so i've been like i'm in therapy at the moment like i've been in therapy for like a long time in my life and it's quite interesting because like i feel like all the therapists that i saw when i was younger you know when i would like talk about my mental health and the things that like that yeah that weren't that, that when i wasn't going well um often they would you know kind of be like oh but you're adopted so like that's the reason why that's like the initial trauma and like because your life started like that um obviously you're gonna feel all these problems like have all these problems later and I feel like for a time I bought into that narrative um I bought into that narrative and I was like okay so if I am the person I am now it is you know all due to adoption it all because of that and I feel like now I'm, I'm a bit like I'm dissenting myself from this narrative a bit like in the sense that yes like obviously it's going to, to affect how how I navigate in the whole relationship like in like my relationships with, with people but also that I feel like actually a lot of my identity and my mental health issues but also just you know like how I became who I am has to do with how adoption is talked about or not talked about more than being adopted uh, in mm -hmm. itself if that makes sense so yeah. i'm like yeah because like i feel like often like you know i gave the example of the therapist like they would be like oh yeah because you've been abandoned um with inverted commas 
um you know you're never going to be able to to trust or love all of that and i'm like well actually maybe the issue is in how you're talking about you know my separation with my birth family and maybe that's actually what is going to create more problems for me this separation in itself so yeah so i feel like it has you know definitely like influenced my identity and it still does and i think it's more of a it's a, it's just an ongoing thing all the time in the sense that i do realize that like you know in my relationships with my friends with my family with my partners it's always i'm always like i need a lot of reassurance people are going to leave me and this you know i guess i have bad days and good days like everyone else so i have these days when i'm like nope this is like you know where it comes from you know let's let's <laughs> let's try to unpack that mm-hmm. and and i have days where i'm just like you know all my insecurities come back and i'm like yes i have my self esteem is very low um yes i feel like shit yes i feel like i, I cannot be loved and all that goes with it and so you know so it, it as like as i said it's not that like it has influenced it and now it's over it's just that like it's an it's an ongoing thing that i think i'll have to to deal with for the rest of my life probably yeah so i surround myself with good people yeah i call yeah. it a lifetime journey so it's a, yeah. yeah it's you have to unwrap it all as you go along yeah um, and, and also like i feel like at the same time it's also like i guess what also helps me kind of like you know cope is the fact of like is they seeing positive things in it in the sense that like i feel like it's helped me like create a a more hybrid identity an identity where you know um like things are not fixed which i feel like for a long time feeling like like this made me like it was more hurtful than anything else because it made me feel like i didn't belong i was like you know do i belong in a group like am i this am i that and i feel like now i'm trying to see it more as well it leaves room for creativity it leaves room for reinventing things and mm. and yeah and so I'm, i'm trying to welcome that i mean it touched on the mental health elements of adoption and i think it's one part that we don't talk very much as well it's um, how much our mental health is affected by the adoption how do you see it because i know you've uh, you've impacted a lot with for your therapist and you mentioned that how does um do you see the mental health aspect of um adoption i feel like i feel like there's a lot there there's a lot that's like first of all not talked about in the sense that um i remember like when i started reading on the topic and when i did my research on it like i was like i came across this well these studies actually like talking about how adoptees were had more like i don't want to say the word chance that's the right word like the wrong word but were more um likely to commit suicide than non-adoptees mm, like yeah. than than non-adoptees and and when i came across this you know i was like first of all that makes sense mm-hmm. um but that makes sense in the sense that i felt that but also that the people that i know around me who are who are adopted i saw them going through that as well mm-hmm. and so i was like that makes sense but i was also like why am i only hearing about this now why why does no one talk about that and so i guess that that really like also makes me very angry is you know i feel like in the process of adop- of adoption it's a lot like because we we're constantly like seen as children we are like we are never seen as adults we are always infantilized so that means that in the eyes of of people but that is like adoptive parents that is institutions around adoption that is um states as well like we're seen as 
you know, when we're, ch we're ch children and we're adopted, that's when we need the care. But after that, we're all good. Mm -hmm. So it's once you are in your adoptive family, you're all good. You're all good. And then no one comes to check on you, you know, as, you, as you're growing up. And people kind of, I don't know, like forget that, as you said, it is a lifelong process. Like, like I don't stop being adopted when I'm 15, when I'm 20, when I'm 60 years old. Yeah, so I feel like that was the thing that like, I guess growing up, I was also like, oh, like, wh wh where are all these people, you know, who are like, who are always here to tell me that it's great that I'm adopted, that my parents are great for adopting me. Where are they now? <laughs> Why are they now that I'm 20 and I'm, and I'm not, you know, and I'm not doing well. So I don't know, I feel like it, it brought a lot in terms of like mental health for me. And like, I mean, before, but still now, to be honest, I also think that that's what I was saying earlier. I think that a lot of actually like my issues with my mental health had to do with not so much with, again, like being separated at birth and all of that, but with being taken away from the place I was born in, not having like being denied information about like constantly being denied information about myself, about how my life began, about adoption not being talked about. Like it was never like a secret in my family, but like, you know, mental health problems also come from the fact of like being black and racism and people mm -hmm. around me because I grew up in a, in a white family forgetting that I am black. So I feel like, yes, it has to do with adoption, but it also has to do with other than adoption, but that are also yeah. linked to adoption, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, in your bio, when I was reading, you talk about the importance of having adoptee-led initiative. Yeah. And I think that is so important that, you know, adoptee needs support and adoption agency need to look at how they can support better adoptees because obviously most adoptees are struggling <laughs> and there is no support there available. Yeah. So uh, in terms of your adoption, is there still things that, I don't know, you still, I suppose, to struggle with um, in terms of your identity? I know a lot of adoptees, for example, um, struggle around birthdays, around Mother's Days. Is there still things that really trigger you and um, still difficult to, to process? Yeah, I'd say like there's loads of things, but... Um birthdays are definitely one of them like it's definitely one of them I feel like I like you know when earlier I was talking about sometimes I have bad days and like all my insecurities come back mm. I feel like my birthday is like the worst it's oh. like it's like that day of the year when I'm like I am going to feel like shit and I know it yeah so I'm trying to like sometimes anticipate that and try and do things that make me feel like bring me joy and everything but it's always that thing of First of all, I'm like, my birthday isn't even my birthday. Mm. So, you know, first of all, there's like this element of like what people see as, you know, this very anchored, very like factual and undeniable, you know, like thing and element of who they are. It's like for me and for most adoptees, it's not there because it's just people like decided that that was my birthday. So mm. I'm like, I actually don't know my exact birthday. So first of all, a part of me is like, why is this day special? And like the second, like the, the, like the other part of me, I'm also like, even if it was my birthday, you know, like with all my insecurities coming back on that day, I'm like, there is nothing to be celebrated here because 
for me it just symbolizes being separated from my birth family um so it symbolizes rejection and you know and i'm like i don't i don't i can't celebrate that like i can't celebrate that so yeah so this is still quite hard so again like on these days i try to surround myself with good people um that love me mm, and yeah. and i try to like also take it easy and allow you know like some time for myself to like be alone and like just feel like shit as well you know just allow time for myself to feel whatever i feel um but yeah it is it is quite hard um and i like it's i've also like met you know adoptees like i've never done that but i've met adoptees who actually celebrate like their adoption day as like almost a birthday to kind of i guess bring more joy like around around you know all of these issues of not knowing where you're born etc um i've never done that um i don't know if that is something that i would like to celebrate to be honest uh but mm -hmm. i feel like the way that i cope now is more by like I guess celebrating my birthday but on a random day that I just like um, and like treating it as more of a celebration of me, my journey, mm. like what I've been through, where I am now, the people that I've met along the way, you know, rather than it being around birth because that like that doesn't necessarily mean a lot to me. So, yeah, so that's one of the like the things that's still really hard. I feel like Mother's Day, I'm just like, it's fine. Like it's <laughs> Like, it's fine in the sense that I'm like, I don't pay too much attention to it. And I have a mother. I have mothers. I have several, actually. So I will cherish them on this day and on others as well. But yeah, there are still things that are, I guess, quite, quite um, difficult. That issue of not knowing, not having the information is very difficult, I think, for most adoptees. And I, I'm thinking one of the other things about medical history that is one thing I get triggered a lot um every time I'm asked about yeah. my medical history um that yeah. is very difficult so it's there's quite a few things I think for all of us that we <laughs> we keep triggering us but I think most people just take it for granted yeah, most like, of the time and, and I feel like it's you know it's these things of like the not knowing part sometimes it, as I said like you know I feel like I try to like not separate it but I'm like okay, there is what I'm feeling about this, but then like actually politicizing adoption like is really what helped and like helps me get through things. Because mm -hmm. it's a way also for me to see it as, okay, this is not about me. Like there are like, there is like a pattern here, you know, like there are structural issues here. So let me focus on that and on seeing what I can do to change that. And yeah, so like kind of like, you know, going between these, these like stages of seeing the bigger picture, but also allowing myself time to, feel whatever I feel and like for me like the not knowing I'm like yeah it goes into like so many things but about like what you're saying about like medical history like it's just it's always that thing when whenever I have to see like a doctor or whatever I'm like please do not ask me about <laughs> like do not ask me about mm. my birth family or whatever because my answer will always be like I don't know mm. now we'll have to deal with your face that's like mm, mm. what do you mean and then you'll get it and then you'll be like oh right <laughs> you know like and so i'm like it's just i have to deal with you like with your uncomfortability and mm -hmm. that's just annoying but yeah like like I'll, i'm treating it quite lightly um because yeah because i mean at times it gives very funny situations but it is like quite bad and i think like i mentioned it to you but recently i kind of had this like issue especially like around medical history and stuff like a lot of adoptees I did a like DNA test a few years ago. Yeah, so I did a DNA test, like the ones that you pay for get chipped and stuff. 
and they tell you like oh you are this person from there or whatever but basically i remember like i did it for well i guess for that reason like to know a bit more about my heritage to potentially like find uh like relatives but also to know a bit more about my like my medical history so i did one you know how sometimes like they would tell you things like oh you have this gene or you have this but we're not doctors so do go and check with the doctor yeah. so yeah so i was like thank you for nothing <laughs> um so basically like i remember a few years back i was i was already in london so i contacted my gp and i was like hey so like i did this test i would like to to i guess to like get a more like um professional like test to like confirm or like yeah just to know more about this um so i asked for like a genetic and genomic test and Basically, what I was answered was it was like, oh, but in order to have it, you need to already know like that there is medical issues in your in your family. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but you know, the reason why I call you is like, like specifically because I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then we we're just going around this circle, and that person was kind of like, oh, I guess we haven't thought about it. And I'm like, and it hit me because that's literally what they said to me. And obviously, you know, it's not that person over the phone's fault, but mm. I'm like, it hasn't been thought about. And that is just wild that people don't realize that like there are so many people out there who have no idea about their, like their biological, um, like family. And so, and so their genetics and stuff, people are just like, let's not give them a way to like, let's give other people a way to know about that, but not them. So basically after that, I was like quite angry. And I was like, okay, kind of, I'm going to get my genetic tests one way or another. And I am not going to pay for it because I am entitled to. And like, I decided to enter like an egg donation process for, so specifically actually for that reason, because let me not pretend that it is an altruistic, like, and selfless act (laughs) or like, you know, decision (laughs) to do this. I was like, I want my test. And so basically when you enter this process, you, you have to like go through a genetic like test. And so that was another big big very long journey of uh calling clinics and clinics telling me that oh but again you need to know your medical history first you know you need to know whatever runs in your family and i was like but i don't so why is that automatic putting me you know like um excluding me from Mm -hmm. from entering this process um so i was met with that i mean let's call it with fat phobia that's what it was basically and like with with bmi problems because yes, my BMI is higher than the standard and than what is like the, the range that is allowed to enter this process. But also I was like, BMI is not an accurate measure, measure of health. BMI is racist. So now I guess I'm at this stage where I'm like, I feel like the big problem in my life is just being like not knowing. And I feel like it's just the story of like every adoptee, basically other people having more information than them about themselves. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It's a huge issue, and uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah. <laughs> so you talk a couple of times about racism. How did you navigate that part? Because that is quite another big issue for adoptees, I suppose, especially for those of us who's been raised into a white environment and yeah. not prepared to to go confront the, the big white world. And it can be of a shock when you arrive in the, the big world and we're not prepared about what other people might be telling us. How did you navigate that yourself? Um, well, I am still <laughs> trying to find ways to navigate it because I feel like, yeah, I, I know there's so many layers to it. Um, obviously, for, for everyone, you know, who's racialized, there's a lot of layers to it, but I can only speak about my own. And it's like, as a Black adoptee, you know, is that thing of, 
well, first of all, yes, I am black. So I am perceived as black by other people. And so in that sense, like whether I'm adopted or not doesn't really matter much for a lot of people. Like I'm just black. But then when people like get to know about my history and all of that, like there's denial of what it is for me to be black because maybe I'm a bit white as well, you know, because everyone around me is white in my family. And so there's like this confusion and like, which definitely like creates a, you know, a thing in me when I'm like, basically, what am I? Where do I belong? But then I'm also like, I'm clearly not white. <laughs> I can see that. And trust me, people will, will remind me of that all the time. So having to deal with like microaggressions within your family, that's not cool, you know. It's that thing of like also choosing your battles and being like, now that I'm an adult, do I want to engage with that with, with my uncles, with my parents, with all of that? Because, because yes, they love me. But does that mean that they realize what it is to have a black child? Mm -hmm. I am not certain of that. So, you know, yeah, I guess it's like, it's just a lot. I, I think like the things that really keep me going and make me feel better are, well, first of all, like finding a community of adoptees, like that's just been really, really helpful in so many ways. Because like, you know, obviously now I'm like, yes, I'm, I was not alone when I was younger. I'm not alone, but like, it's hard to see that you're not alone when you're growing up like in a small town and like there's not loads of people that look like you yeah. that have you know shared history with you and stuff so yeah finding a community of adoptees and being like okay so we share the same experiences that brings a bit of peace um but not a lot actually because we're like okay if anything we, we've all been through a lot so what do we do with that and i feel like for me another way that i find that makes me feel better is it's just this, it's what we're doing now. Like adoptees being at the initiative of things and inviting other adoptees to do so. And it's like sharing your story and it's not being silent and not like, and be like, yeah, you, you, you're you trying to tell me that, you know, you're trying to silence me, but now you're gonna listen. So I guess that's how I navigate it. Yeah, and also like, I guess, you know, like, but like, that's not, you know, that doesn't just have to do with adoption or, or, or racism and stuff, but like just, also, like, I need to feel like th there are things that I can do. So trying to organize, like, locally, like, around on topics that interest me, that also helps. I mean, I feel you around um, racism when it comes to family because, and I think that's also why it's so important for families to receive training when they want to adopt because they, the ignorance within yes. families and communities is actually... Oh, so, so much, so much around at the moment. And that is also quite soul destroying for yeah. adoptees when your own family cannot see you for who you are. And that's happened quite often. And that's made me really sad. Okay. But I wanted to quickly to ask you about how do you then navigate around? Because as adoptees, we get a lot of labels like, Black, adoptee, for your case, and me, French, and mm, Africans. Yeah. How, do you, how do you deal with all those different labels? And for myself, I'm still trying to, to understand what's, where I sit in that, for my yeah. identity. So I'm quite curious to know how, how you feel with all these labels. Um, I feel like, for me, it's like a lot about like both like constantly accepting and rejecting them and you know like and being like okay so i see how useful they are and and also like i guess like because i'm like i didn't i studied linguistics and stuff and so i'm like i do see like the power of words and how useful they are um 
in like just defining things organizing around them understanding each other and stuff so i'm like yes labels are useful um but also there are times when i'm like they're very narrow and that's not who i am and so i feel like it, you know it's all about i guess what we all do all the time um unconsciously but trying to be maybe a bit more conscious about that about just choosing um what label or what part of me i want to make relevant uh, instead of letting pe other people making them relevant for me because yeah they're not all relevant at the same time but yeah it's about you know like choosing yeah again what part of my identity i want to put at the forefront uh, in what context uh, mm. for for very various reasons because what they tell you know labels what they tell about us is is like it's part of our identity basically so, like that's why i've been like reflecting a lot on like on my name and like what it means and like what is in my name and for me i i don't know it was really really important to like change my name because Jules is not my given name, but I feel like I've had so many names in my life, uh, known or unknown. And, you know, and like part of me is I was maybe given a name that I don't know of, you know, that I know about by like my birth family. And then and then I stayed with um, with that person, with that amazing woman who took me in for a year and I carry her name. And that was my name pre-adoption. And after that, I was adopted and then given another name. And you know, like, it's just all of these things when I'm like, and what I think about it, I'm like, that should never happen in my opinion. But you love know, that carry parts of my identity. Um, but also it's not about rejecting the other names that were given to me because I genuinely do love them. I, um, but for me, changing my name is about choice. It's about agency. And I do think that everyone should actually like at some point in their life be given a chance to either accept the name that was given to them or change it. So for me, that's like making it, re making relevant, like what parts of me I want to, to make relevant and when. Great. My final question really. Is, Sorry, um, I'm very chatty. Uh, no, I love it. <laughs> I love that. We, we've gone quite deep as well. So I'm really grateful that you share so much um, with me today. But my, my final question is, um, if you had to give an advice to your younger self, or young adoptee listening today, what would that be? I think like it would probably not be so much advice, but more like reassurance. Mm -hmm. I think I would tell them that they're loved. I would tell them that they don't have to do anything any differently. I think that, yeah, that I would just reassure them because I feel like that's what I needed um, growing up. I mean, it sounds a bit cliche, but like, just tell them that better days are coming. And you know, and that it's not all always gonna be all dark and lonely so yeah a lot of reassurance and love and tell them that there are other people out there who are adopted as well and who are like speaking about it and like yeah tell them that there are people out there it's so important and i think yeah. this is why we are here <laughs> talking about <laughs> it because we need to tell everybody that you know they're not alone out there so yeah. jules thank you so much for uh speaking to me and like i said going so deep and sharing so much with me. I really appreciate your time and uh, your story. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Like really, really, I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm yeah. so honored. Thank you. This is Christelle Pellecure and you have been listening to Black Adoptees Identities, where Black adult adoptees share their stories. Please do share and subscribe to our podcast and do stay connected with us by following us on Instagram at Black Adoptees Identities. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.
and until next time goodbye